it while I hit the thing. We're recording. Yeah. It's going. Doing it. It's all happening. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Trying to Be Better with Joel and Steve podcast. Hi. Hi. Uh, Brought to you tonight by Dairy Free Ben and Jerry's Fish Food, which I just ate a whole couple of spoonfuls before getting on to get a little sugar boost. Sweet. It's super good. Have you, guys, um, have you tried Halo Top? Yeah, I love that stuff, too. I love the Halo Top. And it's we love like Halo a, Top, and we'll be totally open to a sponsorship deal with them, Halo too. Halo Top, Beyond Burgers, yep. Ben & Jerry's. All that. Ben & Jerry's is like... They're hip. You know, you know, like, over the summer when all the corporations were saying, like, they, you know, like, like Jolly Ranchers needed to say something about racism, which is great. Sure. But, like, Ben & Jerry's came out and was like, defund the police! <laughs> Oh, you know, I was like, wow, I was like, Ben and Jerry's is on it. They that uh, that though it comes to time podcast cast with O'Teal Burbridge. They interviewed Ben and Jerry. Oh, I should check that out. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, they're very uh, active still, even though they're now bought by Unilever or one of those companies. I think Disney owns them. Viacom. Uh, Anyway, welcome to the podcast, everybody. (laughs) We have an amazing guest tonight, and I can't wait to introduce her in just a second. Uh, we do have a bit of housekeeping. Please, please, please uh, give us a rating on the old Apple Podcasts. Uh, subscribe. Um, subscribe on Spotify, all, wherever you love the podcasts. Give us a little love there. Um, find us on the Instagram at Trying to Be Better Podcast. And Steve, what's our email again? It's ttbbpodcast at gmail.com. I was not confident enough to do it, and I wanted you to do it. Um, I got, oh, I got I, you. What are friends one for? Little, one little thing. Uh, I was on. I was a guest on another podcast. Yeah, how'd on, that go? It was amazing. What, what's the podcast? The podcast is called Less Than Two Thousand. Uh huh. And it's this dude. Uh, <laughs> these guys I, that I met at a Perfect Circle show a couple years ago, out of nowhere. And this guy has a podcast now, kind of like, you know, like we did started sure. in a pandemic, but it's theirs is super lighthearted and fun. And they talk about everything 90s. Uh-huh. Um, and I had been texting with him and I'm like, if you ever want to have me on to talk about Seattle grunge scene and specifically Pearl Jam, you just let me know. And he hit hit me up for it. So that's coming out next Thursday, May 6th. So I'll share it on the grams, but it was nice. a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. That's cool. I can't wait to listen to it. Yeah, I'll push it out there. It'll be fun. I, you know, in delving into the world of talking about Pearl Jam, as I'm sure you've experienced with talking about the Grateful Dead, it's like, I'm like, man, there's so many people that know way more than I do. But I shared my experience with the mm-hmm. band and the music and what I knew. And uh, it was a lot of fun. You think those dudes would be interested in talking to a guy that was a deadhead in the early 90s? I bet they would. I think they'd be down. I think it's like, what was it like to follow this weird anachronism around in the nineties where everything in the music business and and culture changed and the grateful dead were still touring and yeah. 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 Same as it ever was really same as it ever was. Yeah. Yeah, I think they'd be down. We'd have to have those guys on. That'd be a lot of fun. We should do that. Um, They do not have us. Yeah. So, we should we should dance with the date we brought though we're talking about our next date but we have a fantastic <laughs> uh guest tonight Hi, sadie. sadie thompson is here and um sadie's a really really amazing person in our lives she's close to my wife she's close to our friends she's in our circles but she's also a new mother she's also 
a badass in the community, um, starting uh, a really cool uh, peer support nonprofit and doing amazing things with that. And um, yeah, without further ado, welcome Sadie Thompson to Trying to Be Better. Hi, Sadie. How you doing? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. We're so glad you're here, dude. Um, yeah. I, we yeah, were talking. I <laughs> go ahead. I, uh, well, I loved the, I always loved the talking heads reference. Uh, yes. Same as it ever was. Yes. Same as it ever was. That, that was something that uh, my dad used to say walking around my house when I was little. Really? Same as it ever was. Same as yeah, it ever talking was. heads is one of my all all time favorite. I had. See, I uh, knew you were good people. Yeah, we knew you were cool. Yeah. Um, my my baby came out to well this isn't the talking heads um but the the oh wow yeah um this this is the day your life will surely change oh wow that's the song he he came out to was that on purpose oh yeah okay oh nice that's awesome you planned that that was all arranged yeah amazing yep I just loved me some nineties and eighties, eighties and nineties. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got the, the, and talk, talk confused in my head. I had to shift gears for a second. Oh yeah. When you said the, the, I was, I was thinking I was, I had uh talk, talk, talk by talk, talk in my head. I'm like, that's a weird song to have a baby to. And they're like, <laughs> Oh wait, that's totally not the right thing. <laughs> you can, you can have a baby to any music you want, man. I'm Yes. I'm sure that's true. Yes. You know, yeah. So Sadie, um, we're stoked you're here, and uh, I, 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 I don't even know where to start, but I feel like a good entry point, like since you just brought it up, was the fact that you just had a child. Um, how old is Emery now? I love that name, by the way. It's really cool. Yeah, Emery. Emery is his dad's middle name. He hmm. is uh going to be 11 weeks tomorrow so just shy of three months and um i i have to say that that being uh pre and post natal um like mental health is not talked about enough (laughs) really (laughs) because it was not talked about enough it was uh one of those experiences where you know, I'm like a natural activist and I'm having this experience and I'm like, I know I'm not the only one that has this experience. Like, holy, whoa, what is happening? Um, and you know, he came out and the whole time, um, I'm, I'm decided I'm okay with him knowing this in the future, but, um, the whole time I was pregnant, I thought was, was this the worst mistake of my life? Oh, wow. Um, am I, if, should I, should I be having a baby? What am I doing? This mm. is like a, the rest of your life thing. What if you don't, what if you don't connect with them? What if you don't like them? Mm. <laughs> came out and my entire psyche shifted in mm. a moment's time. I tell wow. you everything that ever mattered to me changed in a minute. It was so bizarre. It was like, I was a workaholic and I had all these other things that were like so important. And all of a sudden, um, they're not that important. In mm. fact, if anybody tries to get in the way of me and my baby, um, F them, I'm just going to quit 
whatever it is, you know, wow. like that was yeah. straight up the attitude I had. Um, and well, that, for 48 hours. I think that's so cool. Cause you're like, nobody talks about it enough. And now here you go. I mean, here you have the floor. Like, I mean, uh, what are you comfortable sharing? I mean, what, what do you think? I guess maybe this is the question to ask. What do you think? What do you wish you would have heard prior to, or is there anything that anyone could have said that would have somehow prepared you for it? I don't have kids, so I'm very curious. Well, I'm sure I'm sure Steve has some insight into this as he's got a couple, but I the, do. so the experience of everything changing, I had heard that from other people. Mm-hmm. And I thought, no way, that's going to happen to me. Um, I've I have had way too many mood altering experiences in my life for something like this to do that to me, but it did. I, I think the part that um, I didn't hear a lot about was like um, after that also like postpartum depression or postpartum mood changes are- did that get um, you? Yeah, well, yeah, for sure. And like, like it's like powerful, like, and a whole different experience. I've also had experiences with depression, but this mm-hmm. was very different. Mm. And, um, and you know, more people talking about not enjoying being pregnant. I would have appreciated that. There's so many people that talk about how magical and wonderful it is. And um, I was miserable in pain, mm-hmm. um, sick, just felt terrible. My body hurt all the time. And I was, you know, just couldn't wait for it to be over. Mm. Um, I'll let Holly's going to come on here in a couple of weeks. And I'll let her talk about it if she wants to, but the short version is when, uh, our first daughter, Holly was on bed rest with complete placenta previa for three months. Oh, wow. And that was interesting. You know, I mean, that was, that was, it was magical and a little bit stressful all at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Bed rest. Yikes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was like one day she went to the doctor and was like, well, no more working. You get to sit on the couch for the next three months and hopefully not have to go to the emergency room. Wow. Which we did a few times. So yeah, that was, uh, you know, it was pretty intense. I mean, that's, that's like a, just a, all of a sudden a thing where it's like, okay, you, you, you need to stop. Like Sadie, you're in, you're in our, our little gang of bikers. Like you were riding your bicycle right up until the end, man. I was like, Sadie's out here riding. Like you were riding, but like kind of enjoying the, the, the last few, you know, months before Emery came, Mm -hmm. but like with Holly, it was like all that you didn't, all that stopped. She she didn't have time to prepare really. There was was no, well she had she had time but she didn't have ability to do anything but think really and you know how well that works out oh yeah (laughs) so yeah but you know that that you were talking to Sadie like from my side of that like when both of our daughters were born um my like I didn't know and this may sound I'm gonna see that sounds cheesy but I'm gonna say it anyway like I did not know how my higher power could feel about me until I held my daughter the mm. moment she was born. Mm. Like that blew the top of my head off and mm. my heart. Mm. Right. 
like like oh this is what unconditional love is mm. hmm right and it was that was yeah it's really something so hmm. i appreciate what man i'm just the dad you know <laughs> like i didn't i didn't gestate this creature inside of me for nine months i didn't actually create the life i i've always heard it said too and i don't know if this is real or not that like you know a mother getting to carry the fetus the child within them starts to sort of prepare for taking care of this being and all that and and sometimes the the male partner or the other partner who's not carrying like doesn't really have the experience it's like that hits them all at once when they hold the child it's like they weren't really a part of that symbiotic somatic relationship until boom they're in the room you know yeah i think uh you definitely hit the nail on the head with that for um i think you know my husband can speak for himself but he has said to me you know he was like who are you after the first two days because like i didn't sleep and i was just doe-eyed like mm-hmm. pupils mm-hmm. huge and just in love you know and yeah. he was like you know i don't know both you guys know me i'm pretty like pragmatic and generally um kind of stoic or sarcastic and like not doe-eyed and like you're not prone to being doe-eyed yeah you're not no no stadium uh no i'm gonna (laughs) say like there's a lot of times like i remember when you first started hanging out and i was like kirsten was like man i feel like she's just over there hating everything kirsten's like no you just kind of gotta get to know her that's just the kind of the front that happens but you know, to, to think about you just being completely enamored or in love and doe-eyed and just, you know, gushy, that's gushy. That's new, right? <laughs> like that's not, that's not always been your MO, right? Well, no. And I think I, you know, there's reasons for that. The front, we all have a front. A lot of us have, a, I'm not gonna say we all have a front. A lot of us have a front, especially those of us who, um, you know, I, I'll speak for myself, people in recovery, um, probably have a history of something in the past and mm-hmm. i i have a really good front of like poker face stone cold you know um but being pregnant having a baby um also gave me a lot of compassion for for my parents and <laughs> you know just so much deep compassion for like holy cow they had no idea what they were doing they were so overwhelmed like and they themselves were both trying to get or stay sober like mm. newly in like at 21 years old i oh, good lord you know wow. what i mean like and so it's it's like uh, all of a sudden i had all these ideas i had all these ideas about what it meant to be a mom and all of a sudden i recognized that like being a good mom is like you just just try not to let them die right. sometimes that happens too mm-hmm. right and like just and don't shake them don't shake the baby don't ever shake <laughs> well yeah they they definitely tell you that multiple times yeah. in the hospital never mm-hmm. shake a baby but don't then they tell the you the five s's and one of the five s's is shake 
Yeah, we so talked I, about that when I first held Emery. You're like the five S's, and then shake was one of them. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. I was told never, ever, ever shake. Very yeah. gently. It's like a jiggle. A jiggle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we should use shimmy or sachet shimmy. or so- <laughs> Not shake. All right. I yeah. like the what? land I, of a thousand dances up in here. Right. I want to say one thing, and I, I know we haven't got too far into the motherhood stuff or the fatherhood stuff, is I appreciate both of your love and compassion because Kirsten and I hear a lot. We or we have not a lot, we have heard before. I think she hears it more than I do because she's the female identifying partner in our relationship. So that's just the social norm that she would want or need children. Um, but we hear sometimes like you don't know what love is until you and I, we've both talked about that privately. That drives us fucking crazy. So I just appreciate that you not, neither of you have said that. It's like, it's a new experience for you, but like we have made clear choices not to have children and we still know, we still know what love is. I want to know what love is. No, I, I know what love is. And it's like, but it's, I know that it's a different experience, but I just appreciate that because I, I hear that a lot because we've made a clear choice not to have children. It's like, well, you don't know, you don't really understand what love is until you've had a child. It's like, man, that's, I think that's, maybe I'm wrong. Am I, I don't know. Is that BS? I don't know if it's BS, but it's definitely, uh, um, it, it's it, until you have actually experienced that. Oh, and by the way, committed basically all your free time and money to <laughs> um that's yeah. it's it's a it's a little different frame of reference i'll say For that sure. yeah it's a different it's a different universe it's mm-hmm. a different plane yeah i don't think that everyone should have kids sure right. i was pretty sure i shouldn't have children right right, right. like my sibling is very sure they are not having children mm-hmm. um i was 99.9 percent sure i was not having children until i met my husband and then i and then a pandemic happened and i thought oh well <laughs> i mean you know <laughs> what else are we doing <laughs> if, we're just, if we're just gonna be home for like a year we might as well yeah just just give it a shot like maybe we can't even get pregnant anyways like month two bam Boom. okay <laughs> all <Yeah>. right <laughs> it's yeah. all happening hey sadie here's a question how much paid maternity leave did you get um well that is a, that is a good question uh-huh. um I, I have to circle back i did not start the nonprofit i work for uh-huh uh, Ah, just yes. Um, I thought you did, and I you you can get to explain. I thought you did. I'm my my apologies. I was just I was just I was just I was I mean obviously being a little facetious just because of the the you know one of the things that just kind of kills me about American exceptionalism is the fact that paid maternity leave isn't a thing, mm. and there's really no requirement to do it, and most other developed countries have that for in some cases quite a long time yeah and there, of, it, you know it should sorry for being for as important as it is to the well-being of both the infant and the mother and the long-term um benefits 
of you know at least that first year the mother and the infant being pretty darn close to each other most of the time um our country doesn't place a very high premium on that which is kind of disappointing Mm. when countries like for example oh i don't know greece gives people 43 weeks united kingdom 39 weeks bulgaria 58.6 weeks bulgaria italy 21.7 weeks Ireland, 26 weeks. I mean, that's that's really nice. Mm-hmm. Those and, places also have universal health care. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, but they're just, I don't know, <laughs> stupid. <laughs> so kind of uh, going back to the people don't talk about the mental health. I think it's an American thing that people uh, don't talk yes. about the mental health of, of mothers enough. Mm. Um, and, and, or women who've been pregnant, you know, not even, even if you don't have a baby, if you've been pregnant, the experience of not being pregnant after you've been pregnant is life altering and mm. you have no control over what hormones are doing to your brain. Yeah. Um, and I remember thinking, so I scheduled myself because I, you know, I'm a capitalist <laughs> and um, I live in the, the colonized capitalist mindset that like, I'll just go back to work three weeks after I have a C-section. Uh-huh. Um, And I was at three weeks and I remember thinking like, I can't even, I can't even leave the house with two of the same shoe on. I don't have, I don't have the capacity (laughs) to do anything other than take care of this little being, Mm -hmm. right? Like that's it. I can't, I couldn't drive a car. I was just no, the lights are on. No one's home. We're here with this baby and that's it. Mm. And um that like people have to go back to work right away or people choose to go back to work right away and i just think like a lot of people have to go back after two weeks goodness gracious mm-hmm. like have to yeah yeah and I oh was- and by the way those people are spending more than they're probably paying on their mortgage or rent for daycare yeah right yeah i um if I wouldn't have, if I don't, didn't have the job that I have now and I worked at, you know, just a normal job mm-hmm. where like they expect you to behave in a certain way. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. I, um, Hi, I, my name's blank and I'll be your whatever today. <laughs> yeah. Right. I would have, I would have gotten fired. How can I have you sure. scream at me today? Yes. Yeah, so you think about the people that like have to go right back to the service industry, yeah, yeah. You know, work in food service or work in customer service, like yikes. Mm-hmm. And, but you know, I see now I'm starting to do the Steve sarcastic voice, but it's like, you know, we just need to keep rolling. I mean, you got to keep working. That's the American way where there's no way we could help people out in that scenario because that's socialism or whatever, you know, it's like, yeah, you're right. The universal healthcare thing. I mean, I don't know not to get too into the weeds on that, man. It's just like, it's all, all of these systemic things are very connected, very much so, but universal healthcare seems to be a a big linchpin in a lot of that, you know, I don't know. 
it's all and it's all connected in my opinion to the colonization of our minds it, to me it's about um, um america was largely founded on colonizing um mm-hmm white America was founded on colonizing and Mm -hmm. the concept of colonizing is um, be better, do more, uh, fit within a certain framework of behavior. And if not, you're either pathologized, uh, enslaved or imprisoned and then enslaved. And that's like, um, you know, and it's and it's also comes from a sort of a fundamentalist religious view that somewhere in some beginning of some book it told human beings to dominate the world around them dominate anybody in their path and so if you see indigenous people living in a certain way but you want to claim that land you have to dominate them ruin them push them out or do worse we don't really have to you just get to you get to that's your divine right is exactly. to dominate the world around you so especially the, if you have the guns the guns the money which just is just further proof that you're the superior human Ugh. <laughs> i'm just saying yeah, it's, it, and i mean you know i could go on you know this about universal health care is um if I didn't have insurance, the cost for me to be alive per month would be approximately $2,500. Um, and and that's because? That's because I have type 1 diabetes. I need insulin mm-hmm. to survive. Um, I also have hypothyroidism, so I need thyroid medication to not be a sleeping blob all the time. <laughs> basically <laughs> um and so it's just things like that um you know we don't we require people to like pay their way to survival and mm-hmm. no other country does that but that's kind of a, besides the point i tried to go back after three weeks i couldn't do it i couldn't focus or get anything on my to-do list done, mm. um, nor could I even make it far enough to put things on my to-do list. So I took a few more weeks after that. <laughs> and 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 I'm I mean I'm grateful that you have the ability and the privilege to do that. And it's just it's it's a good reminder that not everybody has has that. And like like you said, you know, people fighting to go back two weeks, three weeks later to jobs that don't even pay them a living wage it's it's a it's an indicative of a really gnarly systemic colonization capitalistic issue uh, so yeah I, that's why i love talking to you sadie because you're willing to go all the way down that rabbit hole right off the bat um so how i mean i guess how are you with uh emory now how, how how are you how are you finding ways to be sane to has has that fog lifted or you guys taking him on that bike ride that we did for joel's birthday was really something yeah it was wild i thought that was just cool as all get out like right on we're just getting out we're out there and getting after it yeah and he he was a trooper he was a champ yeah he made it uh a good what 12 11 miles before 13 yeah by the time we got back to where we parked that was like 13 14 miles Yeah, he had a little bit of a meltdown before that. Yeah, but, that's um, all right. 
it's totally all right. He's a baby. That's what babies often have meltdowns. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, he's going to be, he's going to be drug around a lot. We're going to Arkansas for mother's day. Mm. Uh, Cause nice. you know, I'm, I'm the only mom in any of our pictures these days. Yeah. Um, so, so we're going to go to Arkansas to hot Springs national park. Very good. We're just taking the baby with us and he's going to sleep in the camper with us. So you, you don't it. get, you don't have to share mother's day. I mean, I know that there's, there's sadness and grief that goes along with not having mothers in your, in your circle, but you also kind of get to be, you get to be mother's day around. I'm the mother. (laughs) (laughs) So if Sadie wants hot springs, Sadie gets hot springs. Absolutely. Yes. That's fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, But I, you know, medication working out, um, like I would, I fully had a prescription of medication that I was taking prior to getting pregnant, ready to roll in case something happened. Cause they mm. do tell you, these are the things that make you, um, predisposed to postpartum depression. There's like 13 of them. And I had 12 of Ooh, the 13. Nice. Wow. Like, well, you know, we'll see. And then, um, if I'll just be honest with you by week two, I was up in the middle of the night with Emery alone. And I looked at him and I thought, you know, like if you, sometimes if you used to take mood altering substances, you'd have like a out of body moment where you were like, am I even alive? Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. Those are the good ones. (laughs) I'm sitting there with him and I'm like, maybe I died on the operating table. And oh boy this is all just me like tripping out on the operating table as i'm dying oh, and i was wow. like okay it's like an m night Shyamalan <laughs> movie how do you say that guy's yeah. name m night Shyamalan. Shyamalan, yeah so like that was like ah! and, and good thing you had the awareness to be like oh, okay maybe i will yeah. continue my medication that's probably a good idea like, <laughs> so- and there it is that's the thing that's the thing you know i wasn't sure what how when i would know i needed to start medication that thought that that's the thing. <laughs> yep there we go all right i used <laughs> to Thank work you so much for being so vulnerable and honest too though because that's like i mean I, that's probably something that you would have appreciated knowing and hearing about and you being open about that may be really useful to somebody listening, you know? I used to work with a guy, and this is, I think Holly might have been pregnant with our first, but uh, he came into work one day, and he had a newborn at home, and he just looked like death. I said, how you doing, man? He goes, last night or earlier this morning, I was looking at my newborn son thinking, I could sell you for enough to buy a new BMW. Oh, my God. <laughs> So oh my that God. <laughs> yeah and that's the time that you know maybe and that's the time he's like i'm not he was like he was saying like that's how like today i'm really just i'm barely functional please bear with me you yeah know? right yeah yeah and that's um and he doesn't even have the hormones he's just nope he's just tired sleep deprived sleep, yeah the sleep yeah. deprivation is a whole other thing also mm-hmm. So you get to pile that on top of all of the factors that could, you know, lead to postpartum is the, the, the lack of sleep. Just, see, I mean, I mean, that's, that, that's like, you know, in, in war times, that's like a torture tactic is to keep people awake, you know, blasting, you know, death metal at all hours. Just to get, that's torture enough. Uh, I always thought of uh, Ed Norton and uh, fight club. 
Right. Where you're right. never really asleep and you're never really awake. You oh, know? Wow. Yeah. Like I, I'm like, oh yeah. That's- yeah. Totally. And like the 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 glitchy uh-huh. like uh cinematography mm-hmm. in Fight Club, it kind of gets like that. It's oh, like, yeah. wait a minute, you know, like I mean, oh, you've only gotten. I, just I mean, woke this up is- in an airplane. <laughs> And this isn't even without, you know, amphetamines or anything. It's just you don't really sleep for a week or two and things get pretty strange. And that's and that's why I think biologically it's fascinating as a sort of sideline observer to parenthood is that that maybe that love shot, if you're ready, if you're open to it and ready to it, like that love shot is the thing that sort of cuts through all of that chaos. You know, well, that, that, that's like, I think that's design, done by design. Logic. Yeah, evolutionarily speaking, yep. that love hormone is keeping you. That, it's what keeps you. On. It's it's what keeps you keeping your infant alive. <laughs> that's what that is. <laughs> yep, oxytocin is magical. There you go. It's yeah. right, right. And mm-hmm. yep, it is. I you could bottle that and probably solve all the world's troubles with yeah. it. And then everyone would probably crumble into, you know, feeble addiction. But <laughs> right, eventually. for a little while, everything yeah. would totally chill. That's my language, Sadie. Just for a little while, if everything's okay, just give me that little. So oxytocin, that's the hug. That's the hug hormone, right? Yeah. Am I getting that right? That's the Basically, hug that yeah. that's the hormone that you get when you hug somebody. Uh, that that's right? one way to, to generate oxytocin. Yeah. We all yeah. need some hugs right now, too. Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, so I I plan on writing a whole set of curriculum around my experience because that's what I do for a living is I uh, write curriculum based on people's lived experience with mental health and how they can use that to connect to other people who have similar lived experience in that field of mental health. Um, so pre and postnatal peer support is totally going to be a thing. Um, it kind of already is through doulas, but mm. they don't really touch enough on the mental health piece for me mm. to be satisfied. So I'm going to write a whole new curriculum. Well, that, that's a hell of a segue. You just yeah. teed up there, Sadie. What is it exactly that you do uh, for a living? You've got, uh, you've started a business, an organization. It sounded like office space. Like, what is it that you say? What would you say you do do here exactly? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, I'm going to need you to uh, come in on Saturday. Uh, Hey, Peter, man. (laughs) (laughs) Never mind. (laughs) Don't don't do it, Steve. I'm not doing it. Sorry. Uh, So, I, I, I did start a business with um, my business partner, Danielle, um, who's also, and that's called Periodical. That's a publishing company. And we mm-hmm. publish all of the curriculum that um, her and I write together through Periodical. Um, but we work for Wellbeing Initiative, which is a nonprofit here in Nebraska. Um, and we train all of the peers, not all, most of the peer support providers in Nebraska and um, their supervisors, their organizations, we train them on how to implement peer support. Um, so what, what, is, what is peer support? 
Yeah, dude. I asked her this the other day, and it's am- it's like amazing to hear her talk about it. Peer peer support is like. Um, peer support is like the magic, the oxytocin of relationships. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> um, oh, okay. So, no, yeah. <laughs> Got it. So, you know how um, you you get to know someone. I know you guys probably can relate to this experience, but um, and that you guys have like similar experiences, and all of a sudden you feel like you're talking to someone in the same language, and you haven't been able to speak to someone in your language for who knows how long, maybe mm-hmm. your whole life, maybe 10 years, maybe it was just a week ago, but it's still magical. Every time it happens, you're like that kind of that language of the heart, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, so peer support is an insurance billable service line of someone with lived experience. So for For instance, like I have lived experience with mental health, substance use, um, homelessness, domestic violence, um, and trauma, buttloads of trauma. Um, And so I can connect with people who have similar lived experiences by sharing the experiences I've had, and they feel safe enough to share their experiences because I'm vulnerable enough to share mine. Mm. And that language of the heart, that connection is like the magic dust of recovery of Mm. any type of recovery. I've read good things. (laughs) I mean, I hear it's good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It could even be like, um, you know, if you have arthritis and someone else has arthritis and you just like, can't really explain what the pain and what having pain all the time is like to someone who doesn't have it. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden you're with that person who does and like, (sighs) so relief. So Mm -hmm. you're saying that insurance companies will pay for this service. Yes. So right now in the state of Nebraska, um, Medicaid and, um, just this week, actually, Medicare passed a federal law that they will start covering peer support. So oh, wow. Medicaid and, and Medicare, which is awesome because we have this person at our organization, um, Lisa, she's VA. She, um, she is writing a curriculum for geriatric peer support. So it's like just in time for this All Medicaid right. situation, but Medicare. Um, once Medicaid and Medicare get on board with something, private insurance companies usually start paying for it. So they, they kind of, once they, once they sort of sign off on it, everything else sort of falls in suit because that's sort of a standard. Yeah. And I mean, private insurance companies, if I'm going to be totally honest, don't want to, don't want to look worse than Medicare and Medicaid. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably a good measuring stick, right? They, yeah. Um, because you know they're supposed to be quote better better because Mm. if they're not then like why do we have the system that we have well plus you know you got to justify those ceo bonuses (laughs) right (laughs) right right so yeah pay pay for peer support um is the long the short story of that other states like pennsylvania and oregon they're already their private insurance companies pay for it i'm curious sadie like I think it's fascinating too, that you have sort of two, two worlds, like as, as a writer, you've written large swaths of, 
of curriculum and books and training manuals for large for the state right didn't you write something like so how did this how did this start for you like where did you kind of find yourself doing this was this something you kind of always dreamed about and it just sort of happened sort of like a zeitgeist experience with peer support kind of being a, a cool modality or is it like did you fall into this like how did that happen do you want the short version or well, the long here, version i want to i want to throw in like i've known you socially for a number of years now but i had no idea that this is what you did do mm. Mm. So I feel like I'm learning a whole new side of Sadie right now, which is really yeah, cool. dude. So anyway, just I, to throw that out there, I try I try to keep my personal and work life a little <laughs> yeah. bit separated. That's good for for good reason. Sure, yeah, 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 yeah. when you're a person in recovery and you work in recovery, like it can get sticky if you don't. Yeah, kind of make sure they say anyway. Boundaries. Anyway, boundaries, healthy boundaries, healthy boundaries. <laughs> So anyway, right. back to Sorry. back to, back to the, the yeah. How did how did it happen? I mean, right, you, yeah. you can talk as much as you want. I mean, okay. I, I, I'm I'm just curious. I don't think I ever heard that story. Well, um, okay. So I guess I um, I was going to school for um, I went to school for business. And then I thought I went to school for business because like, that's not necessarily where my mind automatically goes with things. My mind goes to the like caring about people and I needed to know how to operate in capitalist America as well um, mm -hmm. within that. So I could help, you know, you got to learn the rules so that you can work within them or break them to make things better. And um and so then I was working for a nonprofit um, here in town um, doing like their all their finances and stuff like that. And this lady came up to me and was like, you would be great at peer support. You should do peer support. And, and I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. I'm, I'm, get, I'm going to school to get my counseling degree. And I she was like, yeah, I just feel like you're going to want to do peer support. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm going to be a counselor. Um, I need, didn't even research it. A mm -hmm. few years later, I'm working. I worked at the hosp uh, one of the hospitals here in town. And I was doing my um, hours for counseling, my practicum hours or whatever. And um, I went to Ignite Lincoln. I think your wife was speaking actually. Yeah. Yes. There's a, that's why I was at Ignite Lincoln. Oh, your right, wife right. was speaking. Yeah. Kirsten did that a, a few years ago. Yeah. Yep. And uh, it was like, what, five, almost five years ago. That's wild. It was yeah. five years ago. Yes. Mm -hmm. And um, this woman from and I'm not going to put names of other organizations out there, but this woman from this organization sp started speaking and I was like, oh my gosh, like she's this executive who has lived experience and she's talking about like helping people with similar experience, like holy cow. So I want to work there. And I applied for a job there and I showed up to the interview and they're like, okay, but we've like, we, we're going to interview you for this job, but we really think you'd be good at peer support. And I was like, <laughs> okay, I've heard that before. But I'm, going, I'm going to school for counseling. And, 
And they're like, well, this is what it's going to be like. It's a brand new grant. And we're working with the most vulnerable people in Lincoln. So like the very most vulnerable people and, and you just get to do peer support with them. And it's going to be so great. We got this huge grant and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, do the interview. And they call and they're like, we would like to offer you either job that you want, but you know, like you just decide if you want this case management job, you can start now. If you want this new grant peer support job, you can start in a couple months. And Mm -hmm. I was like, I actually talked to your wife about it and I talked nice. about like, okay, do I want a job where I'm having to manage other people's schedules? Like I can barely show up on time for myself, <laughs> <laughs> you know, or do yeah. I want a job where I'm like connecting with people based on lived experience as like, it sounds like the one, the second one's going to be easier. That was my legit reason for picking it. It sounds like that one's going to be easier and like less like logistical stuff that I'm going to have to deal with. So I but you kind of knew on an instinctive level what your skill set was. I mean, even if you couldn't articulate, you're like, well, that seems, I mean, to somebody that may seem like the worst gig in the world, but to you, it was like, oh yeah, I could easily do that. I mean, that's okay to follow that. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, Lewis is like, Lewis regularly is like, I, I have to, we have to stop talking now because I'm emotionally, I can't, I'm tapped and I'm just like, Oh, okay. And then I just like get on my phone and start texting someone else about some deep stuff. You know, like I don't have like an emotional, like cap or I could just keep going. Yeah. Like, you're like, a, no, for real though. And I've spent some time around you and it's like, yeah, you are a, almost like a compassion warrior. Like you, you don't give a fuck about certain things because you give so much of a fuck about helping others and you don't care how they feel about it. You're there. And it's like, sometimes it's, it's jarring. I mean, I would assume that that job, you know, in working in peer support is you have a lot of skills for that, but at the same time, like, that's super powerful work, I guess is what I'm saying. Cause I, and I think, I think that these people who are kept pushing you in that direction, even though you didn't feel like you were ready for it, could see maybe what you couldn't see. But I, I think that's clear as day, you know? I'm, I, uh, it's jarring <laughs> yeah. is what I heard in that whole thing. <laughs> Sometimes you're, very you're jarring. jarring. Yeah, you are jar. I mean, let's be real. Sometimes you're jar. Sometimes people are like, damn, I didn't know she was going to say that, but that's like super great. Like it's awesome. You have a way of being direct in a way that is empathetic. Mm -hmm. Like you can say things that I probably could never say and, and maintain a friendship, (laughs) (laughs) you know, right. And I think that probably blends itself to your work. So, who knows where that came from? Um, Both my parents were very brilliant um, at getting their needs met. That's what I'm gonna say. That's well put. (laughs) Very brilliant at it, and I think I learned a lot of um, maybe healthy and unhealthy social skills. growing up with two people that were really good at getting their needs met and like you learn how to advocate for yourself when the other person in your life is like always advocating for their needs you know Mm -hmm. Um, that's interesting 
Yeah. But um, I mean, either that or you crumble and you don't learn to advocate for yourself at all. And there's that whole thing for mm-hmm. sure. But anyway, so um, I, I start this job and um, I take this training and I'm in this 40 hour training and it's called intentional peer support and intentional peer support or IPS is awesome. It's so cool. It's largely theoretical. I will say though. Um, so you take it and I'm like, this is my, this is my language. This is what I am meant to do. Mm. Like, this philosophy is something that I am, this is what I was put here all of a sudden on an even deeper level than like being in personal recovery. Everything in my lived experience has intense purpose. Mm. And, um, and I know you guys can connect to that on some level. Absolutely. Um, (laughs) But then I get out on in my real in the job and the job is working with people who have been living on the street uh, largely for like 10 or more years. Um, They're um, extremely vulnerable. A lot of them have like really um, intense uh, like physical diseases also because you that's what happens when you live on the street for 10 years or more or 30 years, you know? And, um, and I realized that almost, I had almost no skills for actual practical application of like, what do you do when the person you're looking for is in an abandoned house and you're, it's like the house has been on fire before that's pretty apparent it's the middle of winter. You're afraid they're going to freeze to death. You have an apartment for them to go to. Um, like, how do you navigate that? And you happen to know that they have uh, some conditions that um, like might make it difficult for you to transport them in your car. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Mm-hmm. Like there was no preparing for anything like that. And um, there was a series of uh, experiences I had and I'm like a learner, right? And so all these experiences, I'm like tallying them in my head and creating, I'm like, this is, we need to, we need to improve on this. Mm -hmm. Like we can't Mm -hmm. be sending people out expecting them to know how to handle these kinds of situations after 40 hours of theory of theory you can't right you don't what do you do right um and you know i ended up getting a promotion in that job and then i got another promotion and that uh organization grew me up Mm -hmm. professionally Mm um and and then i found out that peer support was going to become billable in the state of nebraska and my partner and I, Danielle, who was the other peer support in that grant. So we nice. worked together in that grant. We like, you know, found participants passed away together. We went out in the middle of blizzards to find people in parking garages together. Um, we decided that we were going to make a peer support curriculum that was like, all the best things of all the peer support curriculums that had ever been written. So then I wrote 25, I read 2,500 pages about peer support, wrote 200, 
290 some page book or 191 pages. That's how long it is. Um, and it got accepted and approved. And um, Danielle started working for the Wellbeing Initiative. And um, I eventually moved over there from the other organization. And um, I do all the curriculum development now. That's amazing. That's it's like. I just like to like uh, take a step back there. You're like doing the work and you realize all of these experiences and what we're doing is not necessarily, you are not prepared, but other folks aren't going to be prepared and how that translates to helping the, the populations that you're helping. It's like, well, we need to, we need to improve this. And you're logging these experiences as quantifiable educational experience. You know what I mean? That you could write this stuff down and, and share that. So you're like, working in peer support and using peer support to train peers in peer support, right? Like you're seeing the symbiotic nature of all of it. I just think that's really cool. I think that's fascinating. And like, you know, being in recovery fellowships, that's the basis of that. But you, it it can be very theoretical or it can be kind of woo woo or just like, you know, but like, yeah, if somebody has arthritis, somebody wants to talk to somebody with arthritis, not theorize about what, what arthritis is. Just like you don't learn how to get sober solely based on what alcohol does in the brain. You know, like it's, oh yeah, it's bad, great. Well, it makes me feel like I'm okay. You know, so like, I just think it's really cool that um, you were able. So what, what are you guys, what are you doing now? Like what is, what is happening now as, cause I, 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 I'm leading the witness a little bit. Like I know there's some momentum especially as Medicare and Medicaid both are now, you know, covering that, like, how does that translate to more opportunities to help others with your work? Yeah, well, we're doing a lot. So the cool thing is I'm like the implementer in um, our, my title is chief implementation officer and my partner is the chief visionary officer. And she says, what if we did this? And what if we did that? What if we, and like, cool. Okay, cool. Yeah, whatever. And then like, it's like, okay, but now we need to do it. And then then I'm like, okay, give me, you know, give me three months to sit and like puzzle piece things together. And, um, and then, you know, and then I email it back to her, we read it together. And she's like, um, she's, so I'm not neurotypical. She is very neurotypical. And so she's like, yeah, normal people, you know, she kind of thinks of it from like, yeah, no, we can't say that. <laughs> Cause like you said, Joel, I can be jarring. And so <laughs> I need a person to translate sometimes yeah. some of my curriculum to like, no, we need to soften that up a little mm-hmm. bit. That is not going to be like, that might be a little hard for people to and- chew like in a, in a 16 hour training, we're just going to tell them that they're doing everything wrong. Like, no, we can't, we can't say it like that. Can I ask right. you a question? What does neurotypical look like? That sounds like a fancy way of saying normal. So neurotypical <laughs> is um, someone that is not autistic or um, has ADHD or has OCD. Those mm. are like the three neurodivergent 
um i think those are it there might be another one so i'm a i'm add so does that make me non-neurotypical or non-neurotypical oh, okay you should get on neurodivergent tiktok man there's so no thank there. you no thank you there's a tiktok Hard there's pass. a tiktok for everything i yeah. to date have never not once been on a tiktok or seen it i've seen them like posted like on reddit but I've never been on TikTok intentionally. It's I like put the app on my phone. So. It's like trying to drink from a fire hose. That TikTok. There's a lot going on. I'm out. <laughs> I, the, al- the algorithm uh, tells me a lot about myself. <laughs> what is your What is your TikTok algorithm look like? I want to know. Um, well, neurodivergent. A whole lot of autistic people, um, especially women who. Mm were diagnosed as like older adults so like me <laughs> and then um uh lots of drag queens nice ex-mormons ex-mormons uh, are you ex- an ex-mormon no okay nope. it just that, that yeah. tracks. um <laughs> yep no and um i think there's just something about like being raised in a cultish environment yeah i've got a real thing for cults too man i love a cult show did you watch we did we talked about the nexium show didn't we did you watch oh i haven't watched that yet i need to i like the one about osho wild wild oh wild wild country yeah that was so good oh my god that was so good that's so good yeah and then uh, so obviously the woman I can't remember her name. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. So obviously in charge and so brilliant that like she's just talking about it in the interview. Like yeah. it's still his fault. But yeah, like, like, like you're like, the puppet master lady. And oh, like, yeah. we're feeding the guru cocaine and running the show and giving everybody shotguns and changing the street names of the town. But while all the while feeding the figurehead cocaine. She did that to us while we're watching the documentary. Like I'm just being fed cocaine while she's running this whole thing. Yeah, it was. It, yeah, she's pretty phenomenal. People like that with those kinds of minds are the most interesting people to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, even if you know, even if she is an evil mastermind, she deserves compassion too. <laughs> That's right. She's really good at it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, are there any like? cool things that your work is doing now like is there anything that the the people our dozens of listeners need to hear about that like you would love to share dozens and dozens yes okay so there are uh, dozens of us (laughs) totally i want you to know that at least 40 people are going to listen to this yeah dude we're a big deal that's awesome. Yeah, it really is. I, I don't want to disparage the listeners. I'm really proud that we have this tight little corner of the world that listens to us. Totally. I have a, I have an anecdote, but we asked Sadie a question. We need to get back to that. What was the question again? Yeah. Oh, I forgot. What, what are we doing? What are we? Yeah, what, what are you doing? What are we doing? So what are you doing? After all this, what is that you do here? Um, yeah. So we've done a lot. We uh, we created a curriculum for uh provider agencies and we're getting to use that or support like the state of Arkansas DHHS with that and um, some organizations up in New York and we've had conversations with like Iowa and Kansas and Missouri 
um, in Arizona about that. So that's pretty cool, um, helping organizations um, implement and sustain peer support services. Um, we're talking at a national convention. I'm, her and I are presenting next week at a national convention about supervising peer support specialists and like making sure your organizational culture is prepared for that. We're also working with for-profit businesses to help them implement peer support so that um, maybe people can have cultures of well-being or cultures of health within their for-profit businesses because like who doesn't need better mental health support in our capitalist grinding society? Like it'd be great to have a friend, right? Uh, yeah, I was just going to say like, my mind shut was kind up of and up. get back to work. I would love to have that as a part of like academia, you know, because there's been pockets of, you know, other professors I've talked to that we've had to kind of wrap it out, but like a system in place of peer support in academia, because there's a lot of imposter syndrome there too, you know, and like people being able to share openly like that. Anyway, yeah, suck. The so, yes, for sure. Sorry, were you going to say something, Steve? Uh, the, the facility that I work at currently, the medical facility, is actually puts a lot of um, time and money into culture, mm-hmm. into corporate culture, because um, mm-hmm. healthcare is stressful. Providing yeah. healthcare is stressful. And they're very much, I mean, I, I'm relatively new, about a year and a half now, but it's so incredibly refreshing to work someplace to go in every day to a place where people actually care how everybody's doing. Right. I mean, there's a, there's an expectation of responsibility and accountability for yourself. You know, if you have a problem, you need to deal with it, but it's not like, um, like if you, if you have an issue, bring it up. Yeah. Like there's actual support. It's an actually supportive uh, environment on that level. And I've never in my professional working career had that really before Mm. Uh, as like on an institutional level, it's really quite amazing. And we even have people coming to work for us from a competing facility down the road, just simply because of, of that, like nurses are, are abandoning this other place and coming to work for us because we have a culture that is not toxic, toxic. <laughs> i mean that's huge like that's that yeah the culture is and that's really cool that branching out into the because the way you describe it i think sadie could it could be seen as it's only in serving particular poppy that being really beneficial in a corporate world or in a an academic world i've been a tough year for my particular institution and and mm-hmm. some of uh, some support infrastructure boilerplate would have been really helpful or still could be, you know? So. Yeah. I, um, I, I think that one of our biggest pieces of work we're trying to do is, um, you know, just make the conversation normal about mental mm-hmm. health. We all have mental health, mm-hmm. like, because we're human Mm -hmm. and we have minds Mm -hmm. (laughs) that have health hopefully right yeah right um, yeah and the state of that health 
is, it could be poor, it could be great, it could alter, you know, depending on the time of the year or external circumstances. Oh, good Lord. That's real. Yeah, for sure. The, the one, like one out of every two people experience a behavioral health challenge in their lifetime. Hmm. And so that means like (laughs) either, um, I'm the only one on this podcast right now. <laughs> You're not. And and there's and, and maybe maybe Steve's dog in the background there is, right. is, is the other one out of two. Oh, you she's know, got or, issues. Or like every um everyone we know. Yeah. The, the option is either I'm just I'm here in this alone or everyone I know is affected Mm. by behavioral health. Those are our two options, right? And I think a lot of us feel like I'm the only one when the reality is we are all affected by it because you you don't have a family member or a spouse or a friend that is experiencing a mental health crisis and it doesn't affect you. That's not how being a human works. Yeah. Um, Because we're interdependent and we're, and we're, and we're interconnected. I mean, I, my therapist brought that up just kind of on a lark in our session today. And it was like, Oh yeah. And it it just sort of, it, my, my shoulders relaxed because I was dealing with some, some situation. And he said, well, just remember, we're all working together on this thing about, you know, just humans working together or just human connection or compassion. And it's like, my, my shoulders unpinned from my ears, you know? So like at a very fundamental level, being aware of that is super healing. And at the same time, like why, you know, it's a whole other episode and we'll have to come have you back because like the stigmatization of that is causing more mental health problems. You know what I mean? That like that if it's stigmatized and you can't talk about it, it continues to disconnect other people and then it makes it worse. Yeah. So let me, let me just get to like the big thing that we're doing right now, um, starting in May mental health awareness month. Um, I didn't know if you y'all knew that, but May is mental health awareness month. And, um, we are doing a campaign called mental health matters. Um, you can go to our website, um, let's LNK together and let's link together.com. So either one let's LNK together or let's link together. And um, we are starting the conversation on a local and statewide and national level um, about mental health. Mm -hmm. Like we just need to start talking about it. If we make it the norm, like Steve was talking about in our companies to yeah. have conversations and to support our people's mental health, we're going to spend less money on turnover and we're <laughs> going to see, you know, and we're yeah. going to see more productivity because people who aren't experiencing mental health crises are more productive. Surprise. Weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, You know, this last year, unfortunately, we've seen a huge spike in adolescent suicide. Um, And, you know, no doubt the um, COVID and the political climate has affected that. Um, And so this is, there's going to be some education on that website on how um, parents and adolescents and youth can have conversations about mental health and just kind of destigmatize that within our households and within our schools. Um, And then, you know, we, you know, we also provide 
changing cultures within from our organization for um, organizations. So if there is a business, it's like we really have a toxic culture, but we want our people to feel supported and we want to change our culture. Like we have a program that we can come in and help change that. That's amazing. Um, That's cool. That's so yeah. And that's like really, really important work. And I'm really, 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 really glad that you, you listen to those nudges from the universe saying, Hey, you'd be good at peer support. No, I'm going to, I can't, no, I'm going to be, because like, that's really, really cool. Uh, yeah. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Thank you for being here, Sadie. We, we kind of are getting towards the end of our time. We try to keep it right at about an hour, but before we end, I have to ask my questions. Um, ask your questions, Joel. It's, it's the, it's the lightning round with Joel. <laughs> um, what, aside from all the works, what do you, what sort of music are you listening to? And I think Emery is about to uh, probably just listen to, you know, uh, baby shark ad nauseum. So before that happens, what is Sadie, what is Sadie listening? What's your favorites? What are you, what music are you digging right now? That might be surprising. Well, um, he will not be listening to baby shark. We, uh, well, right now I discovered, um, thanks to my friend Parker, a um, Spotify station that makes lullabies out of like classic rock. So, yeah. Uh, nice. That's nice. awesome. So I've been listening um, to a lot of that, like um, Elton John and David Bowie and. Um, oh, cool. Uh, Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin, um, turned into like ding, 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 lullaby music, <laughs> which is like, I feel, I feel good. I feel right about that. Yeah. Uh, my child will be instilled with a vast knowledge of music. Um, yeah. Not the same that I was, but yeah. Well, that's good. <laughs> Got to get those, those Bowie melodies in his head early, early. you know, yeah. you know what I mean? That's really They're important. Smart. Very important. I think you can probably start him on on hunky dory at like twenty four months. Just get just dive right in there. <laughs> get in there. Yep. What's your aside from the? I can't wait to listen to this playlist. I'm gonna I'll push it out there to anybody that wants it on the Instagram. Um. What's your favorite? What's your favorite artist of all time? Favorite musician of all time? Hmm. No pressure. TikTok. Yeah, of all time. All time. I have to give you like four. That's okay. That'll, that'll work. That's great for the Instagram. So yeah, give us all four. Okay. So in no particular uh, order. Pink Floyd, but OG Pink Floyd with Sid Barrett. Okay. Piper, Piper at the gates of dawn. Okay. Um, childhood is wrapped up in that album for sure. Okay. Um, Bjork. Yes. Bjork. Fully yes. Bjork. Um, all of her forever. Do you fuck with the sugar cubes? pre-solo Bjork? Do you ever listen to the Sugar Cubes? Um, not very often, no. You need to. Anyway, okay. sorry. I will. Um, I will do that. Um, I really love Muse. Oh, wow. Oh. I did not know that about didn't you. Didn't see that coming. Yeah. I didn't yeah. either. And that's like a band I didn't really spend a lot of time with. So. And then then the, the Talking Heads. Bingo. <laughs> That's Steve's Steve's wheelhouse. Steve really kind of made me like the Talking Heads. I think. I think that's. I'll, I'll blame that on you. I'm totally good with that. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Burning it's down the great. house. 
my uh yeah i mean i i had i guess it was probably speaking in tongues like when that came out mm. and you know it was yeah they were pivotal for me yeah i just I, rewatched stop making sense a few it's weeks so ago good. it's so good like yeah. theatrically as a theater mm. production it's amazing and then the fact that it's that constant i mean it's incredible yep also you guys need to check out orville peck say who Orville, oh, Orville Peck. Orville Peck. Okay, Steve, you would dig the Orville Peck. What are What are we talking about here? Is it? Are we? Is I'll not say explain is Orville Peck. He's like a Canadian country S and M. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. You have my attention. Okay. Um, he's really great. He, um, you know, you just you don't know who he is. He wears a mask. Before it was cool to wear. Masks. He has, but he has like a cowboy hat, but with like leather fringe covering his face. So it is like Canadian country, but S and M flavored. Yeah, S and M, and I get the <laughs> you get the feel from the music that he's singing about the boys. Oh, for sure. Okay, all right. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna see your Orville Peck, and I'm gonna raise you a local artist. I don't know if I Black Plague. Plaque Blake. That's, you know, that's plaque- who I immediately thought of. Sadie. No. Oh my gosh, Sadie. <laughs> I actually went to junior high with this cat, but he is an amazing artist who's been in mostly like hardcore punk and metal bands his whole life. Uh-huh. But he's a solo artist. It's like industrial um SM flavored. Um it, it, it's incredible. And he's right here in Lincoln, Nebraska. Plaque Blake. I'll send you some. Yeah. I'll plaque send you some. Blake. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you'll do. Well, in, um, <laughs> So Mushroom Head covered Seals Crazy. You oh, both wow. need to listen to that. Mushroom Head is a hardcore metal band. Yeah. Um, and Atreyu covered, um, uh, is it White Wedding? Uh, <laughs> Billy Idol? Oh, uh, Shot to the Heart. Oh. You're too late. You give love a bad name. That you one. Love- yes. A bon trade is a hardcore band that covered that song, and you both need to listen to that. All right, well. all right, heard it here. We will. We have new music to listen to. Plaque Bleg. Shout out to Plaque Bleg. Plaque Bleg. Hey, he's incredible. Uh, amazing, Sadie. Thank you so, so, so much. Very for much. Talents and amazingness. It's good to see you, and good to talk to you. And uh, yeah. congratulations on your uh, newborn. He's adorable, and yeah. your uh, success at your yeah. work endeavors. That's really awesome. It's Thanks always good. To, guys. It's yeah, always good to see, you know, uh, the home team do good, you know? Yeah, dude. It's yeah, awesome. dude. Well done, Sadie. Thank you so much for spending time with us. You rock. Bye. Bye. Sunshine daydream. Walk you in the tall trees. Going where the wind goes. Blooming, blooming like a red rose. So come on over, sweet man. Go in, go in.